The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have my esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, with us today. And Kathy and I are your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. We always are trying to get people who are going to be of interest to you, to interview, to have new information, cutting-edge um, tools. And today we're really, really happy to have Dr. Sharon Melnick. And she's going to be talking about how to get out of your own way, plus a, a variety of other uh, tools and strategies, programs she has. So let me tell you first a little bit about Sharon. Sharon is a psychologist and a coach, and she's dedicated to helping talented and successful people get out of their own way. So she's been informed by 10 years of research at the Harvard Medical School and trained in cutting-edge stress resilience techniques. She is an authority in helping business professionals move to the next level and feel secure about themselves in, in insecure times. So we'll ask her about some of this research. You know, Kathy and I always are very interested in evidence-based uh, techniques and strategies, and, and Sharon here sounds like she's going to have a lot of those. She is also a dynamic trainer. She's an executive coach for business people in varying functional and sales roles, and she has a strong track record of successful engagements at a variety of organizations. I'll just name a few of them. Uh, Deloitte & Touche, Oracle, Pitney & Bowes, uh, Visiting Nurse, Nurse Service of New York, Corn Ferry International, Northwestern Mutual Financial Network, and many, many others. Uh, she's taught her effectiveness techniques at the School of, of Management at Boston College and at many Fortune 500 companies and nonprofits. Her training is from Yale University, UC Berkeley, and also the Institute of Management Studies. So we, before we bring on Sharon, let me say a word about Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and then we'll bring Kathy on. You know from listening to the show that Kathy is you know, very engaging, has a, a wealth uh, of experience. She's all, authored multiple books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, and her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know. She touches millions uh, as a speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. Her consultancy that she founded is called Happy Companies, Healthy People. She currently offers friendly tips and tools to be your best at work at home and on ABC's The Morning Blend. She also has a new uh, web TV show called Your Happiness Now. She's been called your happiness guru. You can visit her at h2cleadership.com. She has free downloads to access your true talent and happiness and job satisfaction. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Relly. It's a pleasure to be here, and I really look forward to talking to Sharon. But before we get started, 
Um, I'd like to do a couple of things. First, I'd like to introduce our audience uh, to you or introduce you to our audience. And then I want to talk a little bit about why we do this show, because I think it's important for people to have a little context before they hear some of our speakers. So if you don't mind, I'd like to brag about you for a minute or two. Okay. Dr. Relly Nadler is a master-level certified executive coach. He's also a psychologist, a corporate leadership, and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching, and development programs. And Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, is just a great resource, and it is one of those books that provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across industries and in your organization. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs are a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. Visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence. Now, Raleigh, as I said, I wanted to just ask um, if you would for our audience, um, you know, just for their uh, clarification before we get into the meat of the conversation today with Sharon, you know, why we would even do a show called Leadership Development News. Well, the reason, Kathy, and thank you, is today 40% of organizations say they're experiencing a significant gap in the number of skilled and trained leaders available for new opportunities. So that's huge, 40% of companies out there. One of the reasons is this brain drain. We lost 8 million jobs to the Great Recession. We have retiring baby boomers who about 10 million workers will be leaving the, the workforce. And the folks that are coming in, the new emerging leaders, the Gen X, Gen Y, it's been documented that their um, emotional intelligence is a little less than the baby boomers, mostly just because of the use of technology. And, you know, for every hour that they're with technology, there's probably an hour that they're not dealing with uh, face-to-face conflict, how do they communicate, getting feedback from others about um, better relations. And, uh, Kathy, maybe you could say a little bit about the set point that for happiness because what we like to say, the leader is the thermostat, the emotional thermostat for the team, and so their happiness and how they are dealing with themselves is so important. Absolutely. It would be my pleasure. You know, we're um, really excited to talk on our show about many different aspects and, and facets of leadership. And obviously the science of happiness, human flourishing, well-being, um, all the wonderful things that uh, folks like uh, Dan Gilbert, uh, Martin Seligman, Sonia Lubomayersky, and Barbara Fredrickson talk about are so important to how we relate to others and how we relate to ourselves. And there's a very interesting correlation between job performance and job satisfaction, and that is that they are closely tied by more than 93%. Um, And that data comes from eye-opener in the U.K. You know, we also know that the set-point issue is something that is real. It exists based on the research of the people that I just spoke about. And we know that the happiness set-point is like weight and hair color. You know, you can change it to some degree, or as we say, it's fungible, but it will always bounce back, right? Your hair's only going to get so long, and your eye color, well, you can put some contacts on them, but in reality, they're always going to be the color they are underneath the contacts. What you can do, however is you can increase your life satisfaction by over 40%, to be honest with you, which is influenced most strongly by your habits, 
and your behaviors of mind. So while we may only have that 40% to work with, it's a huge 40%. And it is something that we know um, at Leadership Development News makes a big difference. And we hope that in each and every show we teach you a little bit about the choices you can make, the kinds of habits in mind, of mind and behavior that you can uh, engage in to, to increase that performance. And so we're really dedicated to helping you become your best leader ever. Well, thanks, Kathy. Let me just say a couple more words about Sharon, then we're going to bring her uh, right on. You know, um, Sharon's going to give us her website. She's got some great stuff on there for our listeners. She has a lot of, a lot of things that are in video. She has a lot of programs on procrastination, stress, friction, and relationships. She really has a uh, strong background in working with uh, individuals in business uh, for themselves and who are part of running a small business and who seek to do things that they know should they should be doing to grow their business. She also works with business professionals who are ready to be more effective and influential, also business professionals who are hitting the wall and they are seeking new approaches to repeated patterns, individuals who want to take charge of their stresses that interfere with their health, happiness, and financial security, uh, and her involvement in efforts to increase the empowerment of women and business people in general. She's been on uh, a variety of uh, boards, Foundation for Social Change. She's a board member, um, the NAFE in New York, uh, Yale Woman. So we're going to have a, a good, rich conversation in, uh, with Sharon. Sharon, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, one of the things, Sharon, that we always you know, start off with, and just to have people know a little bit about your uh, influences as a leader. So. Maybe you could start off just talking about maybe who are some of the key people that influence your work, and then we'll get more into exactly what that work is. Oh, absolutely. Well, I would have to say it would be people like Stephen Covey and Tony Schwartz, David Allen, maybe more recently Teresa Amibaly. Um These are people who have uh, provided thought leadership in helping us to understand that to be an effective leader and a performer, you really need to have kind of two skills. It's really about what you bring, like what you bring in terms of your skills and knowledge, and it's also about how you bring it, right? So it's like, you know, what the work is, but it's really about how you manage yourself, the way that you think, you react, you behave. For example, I mean, just a classic example, you know, you might have very valuable knowledge, but maybe you don't have the confidence to speak up in that meeting. Or maybe you need to respond to a fast turnaround on a report, but you don't, um, you know, you have thoughts crashing in your mind, you're overwhelmed, so you can't get yourself to concentrate. So I think that these are thought leaders who have really helped us to appreciate that you have to be able to manage yourself effectively in order to manage the work. And I'm sure that we're all seeing these days that uh, those people who are confident and able to stay focused in their thoughts and take action and, you know, control the way that they react to people under stressful uh, conditions, that these are the leaders and performers who are thriving in organizations and people who still need to develop the, uh, these self-management skills, you know, they're really worried about job security, they're waiting for success to come to them, and I, I think that they're not faring as well in these times. In, when you when you talk about um, all these people, obviously who are influencers in, I guess what we call it the energy world, right? People who uh, 
do a lot of work in the energy world. What, what kind of takeaways specifically have you embraced, Sharon, that make your brand of what you do so different? Uh, sure. Well, I, you know, I think it's uh, it often comes down to those 60,000 thoughts a day that we have, right? And uh, I, I think that, you know, it's so overwhelming uh, these days. People are so overloaded and there's such complexity that what I find is very helpful kind of paradigm for people is to really focus on your 50% in any interaction. Because I think that people tend to have a sense of, you know, that things are out of control and nothing, you know, really feels in my control. But, you know, your thoughts, uh, your reactions, how you communicate, how you behave, how you manage your energy. Actually, like, you know, when I give trainings on this topic, you know, it can last hours and hours just going over the skills that you can control. And that's what I'm uh, sort of suggesting, that I think the ability to manage yourself has really become a core competency in addition to, you know, just sort of knowledge and skills that you have to have to carry out the work. You know, and I know that's one of the uh, the key areas uh, that are in emotional intelligence. You know, one of those what's called the clusters. You know, self awareness, but also then self management that I know you're probably well versed in, as is Kathy and I. And so, what I'm really interested in is, is just kind of getting some more information, maybe around that. So, tell me. You know, I'm intrigued by your um, ten years of research at Harvard, and just like I said at the top of the show, you know, we're like to be very evidence-based, but I'm very curious. So what, what kind of research was it? You know, what did you do? And then maybe that will lead into how are you packaging that and bringing that to people today. Sure, absolutely. And uh, I guess I have an unconventional entry uh, into this world of leadership development. So the research that I did at Harvard Medical School was actually on intergenerational issues, okay? So it was about what you bring with you from your own experiences in childhood into your parenting in the next generation. Mm. And what I uh, found from working with parents, particularly who had difficult childhoods, is that they were setting themselves up to repeat those mistakes in the next generation, right, yeah. that they were passing that along. So what our research helped us to understand is what exactly goes on for the parent, particularly in their thinking and in their uh, responding, that, that helped us develop techniques to break that cycle. And in the course of working with parents who were, you know, I was up in the Cambridge, Boston area. They worked at big banks. They worked in professional consulting firms. They were all in the business world. They sometimes in business uh, for themselves. And at a certain point, they all would say the same thing to me. They would say, oh, you know, these approaches that we're talking about, you know, I don't just do them with my child. You know, I do this with my boss, with my direct reports, with my clients, with my assistant, et cetera. So it really helped me to appreciate that what we were working on was really, again, how they made a relationship with their own self, how they managed their own self, and that formed the template for how they were making a relationship with everyone else in their life. And uh, what I would suggest, and I know we can have a chance to talk about this more, is that really when it comes to kind of getting in your own way and setting yourself up for these patterns, I think all roads lead to Rome, meaning that I think ultimately it's a confidence issue. It's, you know, how you believe in yourself is, of course, how you're going to see other people, how you, just as you talk about all the time, really, you know, how you manage your own emotions. 
is what you're going to bring into your relationships with other people. So then I really just started transferring that skill set to working with people uh, in business, and I found that if they would learn the skill in their business life, it would transfer to working with, with their children. So we kind of got a two-for-one. Well, you know what's, what's so great for this, and we're going to go to our, our first break in a minute, is, you know, I heard something really profound uh, by Dan Siegel, which I'm sure, you know, many people are familiar with, and some of his, his work on uh, Mindsight, you know, that if we allow ourselves to be on automatic, which we're saying not self-managing, if we allow ourselves to be on automatic, that's going to be the demise of our world. And I know, Sharon, you'll talk later about kind of reactiveness, you know, so not having that choice, and that was very powerful when I heard that, you know, that's what it's going to be, some reaction that's going to could be the demise of our world. So we're going to go to our um, first break. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whatheavyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're 
You're listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Thank you for tuning in to Tune Up Your Performance. We're talking to Sharon Melnick today. Sharon, we wanted to uh, bring you back to a conversation about how, um, you know, the the programs that you're doing with organizations uh, can really make a difference in getting people out of their own way. Can you kind of start there, and then we'll just uh, keep streaming along here. Sure, absolutely. Well, I'll often talk about this in trainings in the context of how to accelerate your promotion. Uh, and so it's, it's akin to, you know, how do you get out of your own way so that you can be uh, noticed for promotion and be effective. And like I was saying, I think uh, when we talk about getting in your own way, generally speaking, it has to do with a confidence-related issue that the behaviors that you do to get in your own way stem from a doubt that you have about your competency, a doubt whether you deserve to be in the position. And when you have that doubt about yourself, it sets you up to act in one or both of two very common patterns that I see. So the first one is where people put their time and their energy and attention into seeking approval from other people. Right, so even just some examples, a woman I worked with in a consulting firm, um, she gave good email. So when an email come in, she would like immediately be all over it, these really long technical details, and it was terrific. Like people really appreciated her emails, but what she really wanted was to become a senior leader within the company. So you could see that she was just trying to get people to kind of think well of her, to approve of her, and it wasn't getting her towards her goals. Uh, another example was a, um, a guy who was the head of an insurance office, and he would spend uh, his time with his B and C revenue generating clients. He would, you know, uh, chat on the phone with them, shoot the breeze, and they'd get off and they'd say, "You're such a great guy," you know. So he would get his feel good. But was he earning the income that he wanted? No, right? Um, or a client I worked with in a private equity firm, he. Um, you know, he would live in fear of what his uh, other team members would think of the deal that he was bringing, right? And he would try to second guess what is it that they would want me to say about this deal. So there are just so many uh, examples. And so what it does is it has a person put their time and energy and attention onto managing other people's perceptions of them instead of into really bringing their best value to the work and thinking about what needs to be done. So there's the kind of seeking approval. And then the other pattern that I see is all about just the opposite, where people try to prevent disapproval. And there's a lot of this going on these days. So people might stay indecisive in order to not put a decision out there that could be criticized. People might go to a meeting and have something really valuable to say and not speak up. I know I work a lot of uh, developing a pipeline of multicultural women leaders. We talk about that issue a lot, you know, how to really have the confidence to speak up in those rooms with senior people. Uh, People um, stay in their comfort zone, that they'll stay in the level of the weeds or they'll, you know, just kind of do tasks as opposed to really thinking strategically and putting themselves out there a leader because that's how they know to kind of get results and get things done, but it may not be what's called for 
you know, in the organization. It's not giving their, their best value. Well, so that's great. So just to reiterate, and then maybe we'll talk about some of the, the strategies. So confidence, as you're seeing it, really comes from doubt, two different key areas, either seeking approval or preventing disapproval. And then so um, let's say, and especially maybe for some of the work with, with women, because on our audience I think we have more women listeners than men, um, in a meeting what would be some strategies about how to best get their point across? You know, I imagine some of it's getting the space and then using the space well. What would, what would you say would, could help someone with that? Well, I think first it starts with a conviction that what you have to say is valuable, right? So uh, you can appreciate from what I was saying is that your attention, uh, when you have that doubt about yourself, your attention is being deflected. What are they going to think about me? Are they thinking what I'm going to say is stupid? Should I say it? What are the, you know, and all of that kind of in your head, rather than realistic focusing very directly on what's the value that you're there to provide. You know, what's your role? Uh, what's your purpose? And I think when women become so purposeful that they really are focusing, like, for example, they're focusing on the end user of their organization, like who are the consumers that are going to be benefiting from this product that we're developing, or what is the marketing campaign, and really, you know, just being so engaged by the, you know, marketing philosophy or the ad or whatever it is that they're there to talk about or the HR policy. So I think really the antidote is to go direct, is to just keep your attention on kind of that end goal on the benefit that you're bringing to the end user. You know, sometimes we talk about uh, leaders and we sort of say that uh, the effectiveness of a leader can be evaluated on how far out into the future they think or, you know, is their vision. And I think when people have a confidence-related issue that really their sights are set very much on the moment. It's a short-term focus. What are people going to think about me or what's going to be the kind of reputational implication of what I'm about to do or say? So I think that's why one of the strategies is to help women to really kind of go direct and leapfrog over that particular moment, just be so purposeful towards the value that they're meant to bring to the people in the room and the people who are going to benefit from whatever goes on in the room. So I was just going to say, Sharon, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on the show with other some of our other guests is that women have to actually go out of their way to say nice things and to, um, if you will, bring people into their circle of influence because it's, very, it's a very different communication model for women than it is for men. Can you comment about that on getting out of your own way? Sure. Well, uh, I think that we, there are some generalizations that are true and some that aren't true, right? So uh, one of the generalizations is that men tend to talk kind of in headlines and in shorthand, like directly to the point, and women tend to talk more in stories or they add a lot of context. Uh, but that's not always true because there are some women who are drivers, you know, and they're, they're experienced as too blunt. So I think that that's something that women can be aware of is kind of getting directly to the point if they're uh, in an audience with a man or, or with a woman who's a driver. So uh, that's one thing I think that women are experienced sometimes as being indirect. They'll ask for permission, you know, before they'll give their opinion, et cetera. And, again, sometimes that's, 
the right thing to do if you're trying to, you know, sort of um, be very relationship-focused and get consensus. But I think once a woman has confidence in her convictions, then she can just say, this is what I think. This is what I think that we should do. Here's what I recommend. And that's definitely what you want to encourage women. Sometimes you can use, like, a comment on the process just to get your foot in, like, is now an okay time for me to say this? You know, you can sort of in, in, uh, insert something that's, uh, like, more about the process, but then once she has the floor, you want her to be able to say it outright. So then your coach, then in those situations, and in every situation a little different, you know, how to be more direct and, and say some things in, in a direct statement. Other times that questioning and that involving others is appropriate. So that's one of the, I think, the keys of being a good leader is when do you use which which style, which format, female or female, um, that's probably the true art. Yeah, I think versatility is probably the most important skill. Yeah, exactly. Well, so say a little bit more about, let's say as we're talking about the confidence, I know you have a whole program on confidence, and you're going to give us you know, the website at the end of how people can get more information about uh, this program plus the others you have. But I also know um, around perfectionism, and I know that was something that you studied you know, at Harvard, and it sounds like you know, that has a relationship uh, not only with confidence, but I know I've heard that uh, perfectionism and procrastination are bedmates. So maybe from the confidence standpoint, we can talk about that, and then we can move into the procrastination. Sure. Well, let me comment on it in both contexts. So in terms of the perfectionism, one thing, here's kind of a concrete exercise that is sometimes helpful for people, is I find that when people are perfectionists and they don't feel good enough or it has to be right, that really they stay at a very vague level. Like they don't even know exactly what their criteria are for being perfect or when it's going to be right. So one thing that's very helpful is to get specific about that. Like if you have a doubt about what other people are going to think about you, it can be helpful to kind of break it down, like what specifically is that doubt that you have, and then to be able to kind of root it out by making a decision once and for all. Is this something that I can accept about myself, or is this something that I really need to work on to accomplish? Like just for example, I worked with a senior woman at a um, fashion company, and she still, even though she was so valuable to the company, she was anxious speaking up in meetings. So we talked about it, and she said, you know something, I really think that um, well, she actually realized that that anxiety came from her educational background. She, just, she didn't feel that proud of it. So she said, you know something, after all these years and all the value that I've brought, I think I can kind of let that go and just focus on all the value that I bring. I can just accept that that's part of my background. But I met, I uh, had a, another woman in one of my uh, programs, and she worked in a bank. Uh, she was a creative type, but she worked in this financial setting. And she really was uh, not able to kind of keep up with her colleagues on some of the financial analyses. So for her, it's like she couldn't really accept that perceived deficit. She needed to accomplish. She needed to do something about it. She took a course. She got mentored. She was up to speed, and she was <laughs> brought so much value, she got promoted in three months. So I think you really have to have kind of, I think perfectionists really, like, don't have that realistic sense of, like, what's critical to develop and what they can accept about themselves and others. Well, and also, as you were saying that, I was thinking about your doubt and, and the perfectionism, thinking about, you know, there's some fear in there, and I'm sure all, all, at least the three of us on the line have know about this. There's different acronyms for fear. The one that relates to this one is failure to examine assumed realities. 
And so it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying, Sharon. Can people take the time and, and maybe break down their perfectionism? What, what are they assuming that they need to do or other people are going to expect of them? Yeah, absolutely. And for sure, uh, perfectionism sets people up for procrastination. And uh, I appreciate that you asked that question because I know that uh, a lot of people face that issue. About 70% of people in America actually procrastinate sometimes, but 20 people really have a chronic procrastination challenge. That's a significant number of people in an organization. And uh, what I found is that people kind of try to work on it or they try to take this generic advice like, Start with the hardest task first thing in the morning. And it works for some people, but not for most. And then they have the double whammy of kind of being down on themselves for it. So what I think is important is for people to have the self-awareness, just like you say, for emotional intelligence, have the awareness to know their procrastination type so that you can find the solution that matches your procrastination type. So perfectionism would be one of the types, right? That's when you put things off because it's not good enough right, and you're still just trying to make it better and better until it's perfect because you're worried how other people are going to comment on it once it goes out. But there are six other types, and I can just kind of go through some of them. Yeah. Um, so another type would be the avoider. This is kind of classically what we think of as uh, somebody who procrastinates, but not everyone is like this. So for an avoider, whatever the task is, it's too hard too boring, too this, too that, right? And it's really just someone who has a challenge around regulating their own, you know, kind of negative perceptions and emotional states about the task, so they just fail. Uh, there's also the dreamer. This is somebody who we love to have them around. They're visionaries. They've got great ideas, but they don't have the skill to break it down, so they don't know how to get started. So they just keep having the great idea, but they can't get it off the ground. It's great for them to partner with someone who's a real implementer. Then there's the protector. This is similar to what I was talking about with the confidence issue. Somebody who uh, has the skill to do the task, but they're going to put it off because they're very worried about what other people are going to think. So this way they can just kind of live in the hope that if one day they could get the skill or if they could just be confident enough, then they'll put it out there and it will go okay. But they're worried about putting it into the test in reality because if it doesn't go well, they'll be down on themselves and the feedback will be negative and then they'll be in a bad place. So protector of their confidence. There's people who are pressure seekers. So these are the classic, you know what I mean, stay up all night and do it the night before. They think that they can only uh, get the test done if there's uh, an out, outwardly imposed uh, urgency, they have trouble creating that urgency from within. And that's still the protector or that's a different one? So that's the pressure seeker. Okay. Yeah, the pressure seeker. Uh, the sixth one would be the prioritizer. Uh, probably a lot of these people these days are prioritizers, meaning that you just have so much to do that you actually legitimately choose the things that you think are most important mm. to do first. And so, in a sense, your procrastination is not a problem for you, but it's a problem for those other people who are downstream from <laughs> you and actually need you to, to, you know, do those tasks that are lesser uh, important to you right now. Um, and, of course, there can be ramifications for that, like if you put off, you know, taxes or health care checkups and stuff like that because you're prioritizing. And then the last category I would just say is, you know, for people who have attention deficit disorder, I think procrastination is sort of, you know, one of the um, signs. And 
that people uh, with ADD, you know, have a different brain wiring, and it's really helpful just to get some specialized uh, information about how to work with your procrastination. So I guess and the idea is, is that sometimes these generic pieces of advice, like, you know, you know, do the hardest thing in the morning or whatever for a perfectionist, like you're already up at 5 a.m. and you've done three <laughs> drafts and you've driven your people crazy, you know, and for a person who's protecting their confidence, you know, that's not really helpful for you because it doesn't get at the root issue. So this is, this is a great chat, we're going to go to a break in a moment, but as you were going through that, I was waiting to hear because uh, which one is mine, and it is that prioritizing, you know, and you kind of said it towards the end, and I think when people know a lot about time management and stuff and the stuff that you want to, uh, at least for me, that I procrastinate is always the stuff that's so, in my mind, is so unimportant. But maybe when we come back from the break, you can, you can talk about it, maybe a strategy for that, and then we'll, we'll go into some of your other programs. Absolutely. So this is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. You're here with uh, Relly Nadler and our guest, Sharon Melnick, and we've been talking about the lovely topic of procrastination. And Sharon, before we went to break, you were talking about the different types, and there appear to be six types. And um, before we move on from those types, can you uh, kind of round us off here with some, uh, maybe some uh, tips or tools that you use to help people stop procrastinating at any level? Sure. Well, again, my advisement would be to know your procrastination type, or at least uh, some people can subscribe to more than one type, but the idea is just to have a good sense of what's setting you up to procrastinate in that situation or on that particular task because that's going to reveal to you what the right solution is. You really want to match the solution to your procrastination type. Otherwise, you're going to try a strategy, and it probably won't work for you, and you'll blame yourself. Got it. Now, one of the things that we also wanted to to kind of get into here were um, some of the best ways you have to deal with friction in relationships. And, boy, that could be started by a little bit of procrastination, right? Like, you didn't call me back. Don't you like me? (laughs) I mean, there are a million things going on in someone's mind, right, when that happens. But I'm going to let you take this to perhaps more of a, a scientific research focus. Oh, sure. Um, So much more to say about procrastination and how it irks other people. If we have time, we can definitely get into that. And in terms of, uh, you know, everybody is is stressed these days, right? So everybody is on edge. Uh, One of the classic symptoms of stress is, um, you know, being irritable and being reactive, um, having short-term memory difficulties so that you may not be uh, as sharp and remembering what you needed to do and therefore aggravating to other people. So it is very important that people have these skills these days. One, let me just give a, a very helpful technique right off the bat to your listeners, right? So when somebody is reactive towards you, right, oftentimes it makes you angry as well or it makes you frustrated or it makes you impatient with them or any of those kinds of responses. And um uh, when you have those responses, it has a very heating kind of effect in your body, right? Like we even use words like, uh, she made my blood boil or, he, you know, things like that. He's, you know, he's hot under the collar. So the first thing that you want to do, just like you were saying at the beginning of our discussion, Rally, is where, uh, you know, you're not really being conscious in your choices. That means that the, the part of your brain that's responding is a more emotional part right. and not or rational part, right? Mm-hmm. So the first thing that you want to do is that you want to kind of get that adult part of you, that rational part of you, back online so that it's, that's the part that's in charge. And now you're not hijacked it by the emotional part. So one thing that you can do is a cooling breath, a cooling breath. And this will help you to stay cool, calm, and collected in the moment so you actually have just that moment to think through what your response is going to be and respond in the service of who you want to be as a leader. So try this this cooling breath, it's a reverse breath, meaning that you'll breathe in through your mouth and out through your nose. So open your mouth ever so slightly, 
and breathe in with like a very mild sipping kind of motion. So I'm going to exaggerate it now just for, uh, so that everybody gets a sense, right, as if you were sipping in through a straw. But you're going to just do it very mildly because you're going to be doing this in the middle of a meeting <laughs> or an interaction with someone. And uh, you could do it like that if you're on a conference call and they can't see you. So try that now. I want you to breathe in a long, slow, deep breath in through your mouth. And then just a nice, slow, deep breath out through your nose and try it again. And the reason that this works is because it um, detoxifies your liver. And your liver is where frustration and anger kind of build up in your body. So it's very cleansing, very healthy for you, and it will actually help you to prevent disease. So when you're in the moment, somebody's being reactive or you're tempted to be reactive, just go right into your cooling breath. So let me ask you, are you trying it on the line now? Do you feel a cooling and drying sensation over the top of your tongue? I do. Fantastic. Uh That means you're doing it right. That's exactly what you should feel. And, again, that liver meridian runs all the way up from your liver to the sides of your tongue. I can't promise you that my adult brain is back, but I can can feel the change in my body. That's great. But you want to know what's so incredible about this cooling breath is that not only will it calm you down, which is going to help you, again, to kind of stay in that rational mind and not respond rashly, but it's going to calm the other person down. So this is what you can do to diffuse people who are being reactive. So it has such a powerful energetic effect that it will calm down the other person. Now, I'm telling you, this is fail-proof. <laughs> I have, uh, you know, stopped fights in the New York subways many times just from breathing across the car I've had clients who have turned around negotiations that got uh, heated, and um, I've had, you know, people in my trainings report all the time. They've, you know, stopped crying babies from wailing in the supermarket checkout line. So go ahead and use your cooling breath uh, and teach it to your kids, and uh, let's reduce the reactivity all around. So that's, that's really good. Um, you know, earlier we were saying how emotions are contagious, so this is a good example that if you're calming yourself, you can calm others. Should you... Uh, or how could you bring it up to the individual? Let's say it's your boss who is stressed, is reactive. They are influencing and they're contagious on you. You do your calming breath, but they are reacting all over you all day long. Right. So first of all, just by you using your cooling breath in the meeting with your boss, you will diffuse your boss. So your boss will, you know, that that will calm down and they, they won't be coming at you with such tension or whatever it is. So that's the first thing is just do it in the moment. And I always advise focus on your 50% first, right? Like do what you can do. Um, But the other thing is is that, you know, you could be a leader, right, no matter where you are in the organization. You can start to bring up conversations, let's say, in staff meetings around, um, you know, how we do work. And this is even back to the work overload and prioritizing and procrastinating, you know, you could be a leader and sort of say, um, let's talk about, is anybody, like, overloaded on email? Let's talk about how we can reduce the number of emails that we send back and forth. Or let's have, you know, group team discussions around what's really the high-value work and what's really the low-value work that we're putting out right now, and let's see if we can make some prioritization so we're not so overloaded. Or you could even sort of say, I've actually had plenty, plenty of people in my programs who have, you know, said to their boss, oh, my God, I learned this great technique. And then the boss is usually pretty interested. <laughs> so I think that this is something that's uh, so useful that you, you can just bring it up to other people in your group or your boss. 
So that's good. So one is you can tell them they can be interested in hearing what you, you know what you're learning. They may want to do it. Then they see you doing it, um, or they may just have the experience, the impact of you responding calmly. The other thing is, you know, you brought up the kind of the parent, and it reminded me the parent adult child, which you know many of us know from transactional analysis, and, and we don't use that language so much in the business, but I think often that parent part is that kind of the critical part that we don't realize we're not being our adult self, like Kathy was saying, and it could be challenging for stressed-out leaders. Any any thoughts about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that's the case, and, uh, you know, we all probably have the experience of knowing when we're kind of feeling like we're the executor of, of what we're doing and saying and when we're the one who's we're sort of not that in control, you know, when it feels impulsive or reactive and then we regret. So, yeah, I think everything that we can do both to prevent getting hijacked and to kind of get, be able to get right back on the horse is a very important skill set. And I know I, I teach that all the time in my success under stress trainings and people are very appreciative and everybody really needs it these days. So why don't you say a little bit more about kind of some of the things in regards to, you know, your success under stress, and maybe this is a good place to, to highlight um, some of the programs you do have and where to go, and then we can get into more of the details. So if people wanted to get more like more information about your programs, where should they go? Sure. Actually, where anybody could just go to my main website, SharonMelnick.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-M-E-L-N-I-C-K, SharonMelnick.com. And uh, there, your listeners will find um, there's a program called Confidence at the Core, which really, you know, will help people to, to go direct and to build that deep confidence so they can be effective in their work and, frankly, in their personal life. Um, there's a program there called Productivity Mindset, which is all about, uh, you know, it's just as Stephen Covey said, time management is a misnomer. The real challenge is to manage ourselves. So it's all about how to manage yourself with regard to uh, being productive, like getting rid of the procrastination and some of the other habits. Um, and then the Success Under Stress program, I do that training quite a bit uh, in organizations uh, for uh, teams, for women's leadership networks. For um, I'm doing a lot these days around uh, helping companies to develop a pipeline of multicultural women leaders, like I'm just passionate about that. And um, so I think it's very important for women to have this whole skill set, the confidence, you know, how to be effective and productive as a leader. And in order to do that, all of us need to be able to have the ability to have success under stress. Um, so what I'd like to do is I actually have very meaty uh, videos and webinars on each of these three subjects. They'll also teach you about how to deal with the difficult people in the workplace. Uh, and I'll just put together, you know, kind of a page of all of these free resources, probably several hours' worth of very um, strategy-rich um, videos. And they'll just be at SharonMelnick.com forward slash Voice of America. SharonMelnick.com forward slash Voice of America. So that's great what you're doing, uh, Sharon. So that's uh, specific just for our listeners, and they can get some uh, downloads about some of these programs then. These will be, uh, this will be special for your listeners. That's absolutely right. And, and there will be lots of strategies that uh, your listeners will use the minute that they turn off the video. That's great. Well, thanks so much for that, too. We really appreciate that. I'm, I'm just still looking at all these procrastination types. 
So I'm, Kathy, going, which, I'm thinking how many of these videos I'm going to be listening to. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. I said I'm, I know mine is the prioritization, and it's almost a rationalization. It's just not that important. Everything else I'm doing is more important. Which, which, ones, which one do you see yourself using the most? You know, I, I'm confused. I'm confused because I, I actually I try to respond to things as soon as I get them. Uh-huh. You know, so I don't know, Sharon, maybe you can coach me on that one. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like procrastination to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> it sounds to me like I'm procrastinating over the rest of my life so that I can just return email. <laughs> uh-huh. That could be a prioritization issue. Funny. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, all right, good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to looking at these uh, video clips. So um, just trying to say maybe there's – how would you – Give us something, uh, Sharon, as we're kind of wrapping up, and I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but we probably got another three, four minutes. What, what would be some of the, the tools that you think um, would be important for folks that you kind of just see a lot, you know, it's in your tool, toolkit that you think would be helpful for our listeners? Sure. Um, and with regard to what kind of challenges they, that they might be facing? You know, maybe the one I'm looking at some of the question stuff we have about, about leaders and, and if the leader – uh, finds themselves uh, snapping at people. Um, should they should they share that with them? Um, you know, maybe now from this awareness, like we know, awareness is going to raise people's responsibility. About let's say they find out, wow, I'm a snapper. You know, and I, my wife told me, but you know, now I'm seeing I'm doing at work. So what should they do? Yeah, very good. Um, so first of all, again, uh, even if you're the snapper and not the snappy, shall we say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you will want to go right into your cooling breath, okay, because it's going to change your physiology. So that's something for sure that you're going to want to do. Uh, another thing is usually people snap because uh, they feel frustrated with whoever it is, you know, that's not getting them the work at whatever standard is their standard, right? So I think there it's really uh, more about communication strategies because usually someone like that, like who's a driver, is that they're going to be very tell-oriented for their people. They're going to say, do this, do that. And uh, they, I think, could benefit from empowering their people more, like helping to understand the individual drivers of, uh, of each of their people. Uh, and to be able to empower, you know, use it like an empowering communication to get better performance rather than always making their people feel, you know, kind of dismissed. Uh, so I think that that's another uh, approach to, to really work on those communication strategies and the tone. And then the final thing I think is that when somebody is, uh, if you've been nagging somebody or wishing that somebody else's behavior would change or hoping that they'll go back to you or, trying to get somebody who's underperforming, you know, to perform at a higher level, any of those kinds of frustrations. One of the things that I think leads to snapping is that people just keep coming back with a similar kind of strategy uh, towards a person who's not performing. And I think a better way of doing it is uh, to do what I call transfer the ownership of the problem. Because usually when you're a driver or a perfectionist and somebody is not performing at your standard, you are aggravated. You're up at night. You're churning, you know what I mean, and grinding your jaw about it. And so essentially that person's lack of performance has become your problem. You're, you're the one who's bearing the brunt of it. 
So really what you want to do to incentivize the person to change is to transfer the ownership of the problem and make sure that the person who's doing the unwanted behavior actually sees that whatever it is that they're doing is interfering with what it is that they really want, like you have to tap into their motivation. And I just find that that enables people to detach from, you know what I mean, all that grinding that sets them up to be so frustrated, and then it's kind of between the person and their own ability to step up. Okay. Well, Sharon, this is really good. We've got the end of our, our, our show. Excellent stuff. And, and so let me repeat this again where people can get some of their free resources. www.sharonmelnick.com. That's M-E-L-N-E-C-K.com. Oh, M-E-L-N-I-C-K.com. Oh, I'm sorry. That was me. Yeah, I said Nick. I said Nick. Shell Melnick. M-E-L-N-I-C-K.com. I couldn't read my writing. Forward slash Voice America, and then you can get some of these things that Sharon's talking about. So thank you so much, Sharon. We're looking forward to seeing you um, at the coaching exchange. You're going to be on a panel, as is Kathy and I, and so we look forward to touch base with you again. Likewise. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with you. I can't wait to check out your work as well. So this is Leadership Development News, signing off now. And... uh, Tune in again so we can help you tune up your leadership. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.